All right. <clears throat> I think I almost threw my back out singing that song. I don't, I don't know if that's possible or it's healthy, um, but it just about happened. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up uh, to Matthew chapter 20. If you like to punch them up on your phone, uh, you can do that. That way when you are texting people during the lesson today, uh, at least we won't know what's going on because it looks very spiritual. Uh, and so uh, we, we can start this way. Um, one of the easiest mistakes, and this will kind of set the tone for where we're going, one of the easiest mistakes we can make uh, when paying attention to the movement of God, uh, whether that be in our lives or around our lives, is, is when we decide to place expectations on how He should act. Uh, it's one of our biggest mistakes we make in life, that, that we would know better um, how God should act in certain situations. And as if there were some uh, specific uh, set of rules uh, where, uh, where we, I'm sorry, yeah, as if there are some specific set of rules that we create where he should see things our way and he should act in obligation uh, to our thoughts or our desires. And, and there are times when people, and I know this is going to come as a shock to some of you, uh, but there are times in your life when people that you believe are undeserving of a break or undeserving of a blessing uh, actually get that break or, or they get that blessing, especially if, uh, and what, what results is you're left in this state of frustration, right? And uh, especially if their break or their blessing is something that you actually desire. And, and so you, you're left complaining to God, why would you do that for them? And maybe you don't say it openly, you know, to people because you know that instinctively to say that out loud makes you seem like a really rotten and horrible person. Uh, but, but nonetheless, in your heart, you say, God, why would you do that? that that's not the way I would uh, do those things. And, and so we're left complaining and expecting God to see things our way since we are such incredible judges of justice. Uh, and we are such incredible judges of, of mercy. And, and this is in large part where we're heading this morning uh, while exploring a parable that Jesus uh, is, is going to teach us, helping us understand uh, not only God's great love, but his generosity in caring uh, for people. And, uh, and there are going to be places, and I'll just say it this way, there are going to be places today where, where you are exposed and the only way you can get past this exposure is by growing up, okay? Because uh, when, when, we bring, when we bring some of these things to light today, you're going to say, yes, that is me. Uh, and then it's going to be shown in, other, in the reactions of the parable, and you're going to be like, oh, so, so that's what I look like. I was not aware of that. Uh, and what we hope is that the Holy Spirit would speak to you in a way that he shows you something much larger. Because when we read this parable, the easiest thing to do is to say, okay, who am I in that parable? Uh, and rather what we want to do is we want to ask this question, who is God? And what is he showing uh, in, in this parable? And so uh, let, let's pray and then let's uh, get exposed here. So Father, we come to you. We are very thankful that your Holy Spirit has, is here, has been here that He has celebrated with us who we are in Your Son. 
And we pray that the power of your word would be strong this morning. That we would walk in it. That we would not fight against it. And that we would walk away here knowing that we have heard your voice. And that we have seen your great love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, so, so I kind of lied to you. We're gonna, I said to turn to chapter 20. That's where we're going to spend a bulk of our time. But I want us to come back a couple verses into chapter 19. Uh, because I think it helps build the momentum uh, that's necessary for the context of, of why Jesus uh, would be presenting uh, these parables. And, in fact, this is going to be helpful to us even next week when we get to verses 20 through 28. Uh, and, and really, this, this could have all been connected in one week, uh, but I was, I was afraid that we would try to cover too much ground. Uh, we would try to chew on too, too much meat. Uh, and so I wanted us to kind of separate it to see it kind of play out. Uh, but let's remember what has just happened in this last section uh, in chapter 19. Uh, Ralph uh, comes up to Jesus. We called him Ralph. He's really a rich young ruler. Uh, but he comes up to Jesus and he says, how can I have eternal life? What, what must I do, right? Uh, and Jesus walks him right into his dysfunction. Uh, and he says, he reveals his issues by revealing that, that Ralph's grip on his stuff was keeping him from giving God his everything. And, and so, uh, and the tragedy of the scene, or the sad part of the scene, is that Ralph walks away because his security is in his stuff, not in his God. And so that, that's kind of where we saw this scene kind of play out. And then Peter uh, walks up. Actually, Jesus takes a moment to teach his disciples. And, and he will talk about the difficulty of giving God your full heart when you have riches, allowing you to believe that they will offer you more security than, than what God can. And, and the point is that by the grace of God, we can see His great worth. And that, that while we see that, we get to also see how incomplete and how smaller these lesser kingdoms that we're trying to build actually are uh, compared to the majesty of Christ. And so uh, this is where we're going to pick it up in, in chapter 19, verse 27, uh, because Peter's going to ask a question that will become very relevant for the parable. Okay, and so, so then Peter said in reply, okay, see, we have left everything and followed you. So he looked at Jesus and says, we've left it all, right? There's the famous scene where Jesus says, come, follow me, and they just kind of get up and follow him. And so he asked this question, what then will we have? And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the wor- new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, so when Christ comes back, You who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. We said that's a very specific reward for these specific disciples. And to everyone, including us now, the believers, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands. uh, That's like a rap, man. That's good. That's like the widest boy rap you'll hear today. Um, Said they will receive a hundredfold and they will inherit eternal life. Okay, so that, that's the reward for, for following him. And so, but then he says this, uh, and we said the scene last week started with humility, uh, and it ended with humility, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And everybody's like, get that completely. Cool, gotcha. Uh, Jesus likes to use words there. Okay, and so, so this is going to get us into this parable which opens in chapter 20. Uh, and, and it's an important question we see connected uh, with Peter's question, Jesus' response. Because Peter's wondering, uh, very honestly, about these rewards. 
that come to the committed. Because in his eyes, and we'll find this out uh, as you read more in the Gospels, in his eyes, those who are super committed are the disciples. Uh, he says, we've left it all. We, we've, we've not left anything for ourselves. We've given it all away and we're following you. And in his eyes, he's wondering, as we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, what kind of rewards there are. And while there are rewards promised to them, uh, what Jesus is going to do next is, is teach them something about the right attitude uh, to carry in service. Because this is what we know. We love incentives, correct? Uh, in fact, we, we love the idea you are incentivized your entire life. You, you work on Monday through Friday because you love your job or because you love the paycheck, right? Uh, very few times in life do we get to partner our passion and our career, right? And so, so we get an incentive for that. And so we, we understand at a very natural level how this game works. And Peter is saying, for all of my effort, what is the reward? And Jesus is going to say, there is great reward, but let me teach you something about how you go about that process. And, and the bulk of this is going to surround uh, a very dangerous and a sinful belief uh, that there, there are ways to make God owe us anything. Okay? That, that's the dangerous belief here. That God would owe us something. And then, secondly, we're going to find is that God would owe us more than what we agreed to. Okay? And so, so that's, that's why after we walk through these, I, I want us to come back and I want us to say, okay, what is God saying? And what does this tell us about God? In fact, there's going to be four things and then we're going to leave with, with two lingering thoughts. And so, uh, so here, here's what I want to do. I want us to walk through this, but I, wanna, I want us to see it together. So uh, for the kingdom, chapter 20, verse 1. Okay? For the kingdom of heaven... Okay, so Jesus is speaking, and he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers. Okay, so let's just see this played out. I, uh, because I have the mic, get to be the master of the house. Okay, uh, now I would like to go out, and I would like to hire a laborer to do some work. Okay, if you know me, this is my MO. Uh, I would much rather invite you to come do something for me than me to do it myself. So, so I'm going to come out, and I'm going to hire somebody. I'm going to get these guys. All right? Uh, sir, what's your name? Uh, Barrick, uh, son of Brandon. Okay, that's what we're going to call you. Okay? So, so I go to Lowe's in the morning. All right? We're going to start early. Okay? 8 o'clock. All right? Because that's, that's about as early as I want to start anything. And actually, I don't want to start anything at 8 o'clock. I just have to. Okay? Uh, because I wrote that down right here. Okay? So, so I go up, and I say, hey, sir, um, I'd like you to come work in my vineyard. Okay, because I have a vineyard. Because why not? Why wouldn't I? Um, and so he says this in verse 2. After agreeing, okay, we're going to agree on something here. In just a moment, that's a good handshake. Your dad taught you well. Uh, after agreeing with the laborers for, okay, I'm going to ask you to work. I'm going to pay you a denarius a day. And you're like, all right, cool. All right, we shook hands, we shook hands on that, okay? So after agreeing to work for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So you can just kind of, right there, all right? You act like you're working in a vineyard for the moment. Um, I don't think that's how they work in vineyards. Uh, but, okay? So, so 8 o'clock happens. I got, I got Barrick here working in my vineyard, okay? So three hours are going to pass. Three hours are going to pass, okay? So something happens in three hours. We're going to find out 
between 8 and 11 o'clock, things got a little crazy, all right? Because it starts to warm up, all right? So, Barrick's going to be out here uh, for, for three hours, all right? So, one, two, three, okay, all right? So, he's getting a little wet, all right? So, about, about, uh, verse 3, and going about the third hour of the day, he saw others standing idle, all right? Come stand, go ahead, stand. Yes. Now, you're standing idle. So it means you don't move. All right? So he comes in, and he sees the others standing idle, right, in the marketplace. And then he said to them, you go to the vineyard too. Okay? So now we got Luke. He's going into the vineyard too. And, and whatever is right, I will give to you. If you like to underline your Bibles, there's two specific things I want you to underline right now. All right? Go back to num- verse 2. After agreeing with the laborers, Okay? And then in verse 3, I'm sorry, in verse 4, the end of it, where it says, And whatever it is right, I will give to you. So we don't, we don't shake like this. We don't make a contract. We make a high five. All right? So we just agree. Whatever is right, I'm going to give to you. So we haven't negotiated terms. You're just going to go work, and then you're going to make it happen. Okay? So, so he said to them, he went out again at the sixth hour. Okay? So, man, it's starting to warm up. All right? So we're going. We're going at it, all right? Yeah, all right? This is what's happening. It's a warm day, all right? It's moved on. It's 2 o'clock, all right? So they went in again about the sixth hour, all right? So we get this kid, all right? He's still standing idle, all right? We got him here. We got the sixth kid. Uh, Then about the ninth hour, all right? All right, so now it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon, all right? 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It is really nasty out there. Really nasty today, all right? Really, really nasty, all right? Real, like, it is, it is 150 degrees outside nasty, all right? People are passing out, all right? So then we get this. Then about the 11th hour, all right? Hold on. Hold on, Fireball. About the 11th hour, all right? So now, Barrick started at 8, all right? Luke started at 11, all right? Alan started at 2. Brandon started at 5. Then at the 11th hour, all right, he comes in, 7 o'clock at night. All right, and so, so he went and he found the other standing. Okay, So Brady's just standing, not shuffling, not dancing, not moving, standing. All right, And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? Okay, So why aren't you chosen? All right, And they said to him, because no one has hired us, and he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Okay? All right? So, so, but all this, all the while, right? All the while, these guys have been working. Okay? All the while. All right? Anybody, everybody else want in on this? It's a ton of fun. All right? All the while, these guys are working. And then he, he we get to verse 8. Okay? Oh, I'm sorry. And Brady worked. All right? So, so here's what happens. Verse 8. And when evening came, okay, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, all right, I need a foreman. Mark, can, can you be my foreman? Okay. So I'm going to give you these. All right. So I'm going to say to the foreman, uh, call the laborers and pay them their wages. Okay. So just, just to recap, what do we do here? We agreed we agree to a denarius a day. All right, that's a daily wage, 
All right, we're going to say that it's 25 cents. All right, and we, then what, what did we do here? We came here, we came here, came here, and we came here. And what did I say? I said, whatever's right. Whatever's right, I will pay you. But I have an agreement with this guy. Okay, that's going to become very important in just a moment. All right. So, evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers, pay them their wages. So, so Mark says, hey, time to get paid. All right. So, what, what do you all do? If I say it's time to get paid, what do you all do? Exactly. Okay, but, but, but watch. Watch what happens. All right, what did this guy just do? All right, instinctively, what did he just do? All right, but just wait. Some of y'all are redhead. You can see what's happening. But instinctively, what does this guy believe? I've been here the longest. I get paid first. Okay? That's not your fault. It's just sin living inside you, son. Yeah. Um, so he called the laborers, paid them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. All right? So now we've got to get in order. Mark's told him, get in order. All right? Last to the first. Still a little warm. All right? Still, still, still happening here. All right? Still happening. All right? Now, when those who hired first came, they thought they would receive... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, verse 9. And when those who were hired about the eleventh hour came... Each of them received a denarius. Okay? Now, wait, wait. What just happened? Okay? What did he agree to work for? Okay. Just, I'm just trying to help us see the scene. Okay? So he, he received a denarius. Okay? Now, when those who are first came, they thought... Okay. So in this moment, Barak says, that guy received a denarius. Okay? They thought they would receive... What's the word? More. Thought they'd receive more. But each of them also... Received a denarius. Okay? So, as this is happening, Barry is seeing this unfold. Okay? Now, let me just ask you this. If you worked in the field, look at you. You're a mess. If you worked in the field all day like this, what would be your reaction? Yeah, that's not very confident. Okay? But here's what happens. All right? So, so go ahead. So, he receives what he was paid for. Okay? But, but, see, he doesn't do this. Come on up. Come back up. See, you don't know. You don't know. I'm teaching you. Okay? And on receiving it, verse 11, they grumbled at the master of the house. Okay? Barak comes in and he grumbles at the master of the house, saying, these, these last worked only for one hour, right? Uh, but, and you have made them equal to us. And... Uh, and you have borne the burden of the day... I'm sorry. I'm learning to read right here. Like, this is happening right now. These last worked only one hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the what? The scorching heat. Okay? So it wasn't enough that I had to work all day. I had to work in these conditions. Right? In the scorching heat. Okay? But he... You're going to have to see both. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Okay, so who's, who's speaking to the grumbler? The master of the, of the vineyard, right? He says, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Now, how much did you get? You got the denarius, didn't you? So we shook hands and we agreed on that. I think he's trying to get my car stolen. Um, so he says, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. 
right? Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? Okay, so the argument is, isn't that he's not being paid, it's that he's not being paid more. Even though, even though he agreed to a wage, right? We shook hands here, we high-fived here. So what is right is that all of these guys would receive a denarius. What was agreed upon is that we would receive a denarius. So really the issue, if you're, if you're like me, you're like, well, the problem is he didn't negotiate high enough, right? But my bet is that the, as this parable plays out, if he had agreed to 10 denarius a day, that the master of the vineyard would have also given everybody else uh, 10 a day. And so, so here's the argument on the table. Um, verse 15, it says, Am I not allowed to, uh, to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Uh, so he says this in verse 16, which is a repeated phrase. So the last will be first and the first last. Okay? And that isn't so much about you know, letting people get in line before you, right? I mean, that's what we, we, when we do these really small acts of, well, the last will be first, you know. Jesus says if, if that's the point, you're trying to get the reward and you've missed the whole point of what we're doing here. And so the argument on the table is about why, what this first group believes is fair and how the last group's pay is not fair to them. They, they don't have as much a problem with the pay as much as they take issue uh, that they're not being paid more if the other group is getting equal pay for less hours. Okay, that, That's the argument. Forgetting, again, that they've negotiated the pay. They've entered into a contractual agreement uh, for, for that pay. And so the argument of the master of the vineyard is simply this. It's mine. It's my money. You're not the master of my money. It's my money. I can divvy that out however I wish. Okay? If I wanted to give you 15 denarii, I could. But if I wanted to give you the one that we agreed upon, then I'm right. If I chose not to give you one after we agreed upon it, then I'm in the wrong. But he says, whatever else I do with those resources, that's, that's, my, that's my prerogative. Okay? Who are you to kind of judge my generosity? And, and, and now, if, this is, if a parable is a story presented to teach a lesson, uh, the, the question on the table is, what's this story about, right? What's the lesson that we're needing to learn? And there's, there's really two main ones. Um, one of them is Jesus preparing uh, the Jewish people uh, for, uh, after the cross, after his resurrection, the gospel will eventually be... Um, uh, release to the Gentiles, uh, meaning you and me, people of not who are not of the Jewish heritage, uh, and so he's telling them, "Listen, uh, I know you guys have been working for centuries and centuries and centuries and generations uh, as God's chosen people, uh, but that's going to change one day, and it's all going to be open to everybody else. Uh, the gospel will be for everyone, okay? And so, so there in part is a lesson to be learned about." Jesus preparing the Jews for the Gentiles, uh, because that would be the argument, right? Wait, 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 wait. I'm fine with them getting their denarius, but shouldn't we get something more? Uh, because after all, we've been working much longer at this. Uh, but I, I think there's a, in this parable, I think there's something that can apply to us at, at a much personal level, right? That there is uh, much to be said about uh, God's heart. 
Okay, so we don't want to make this... Uh, I, I, again, the danger of this is to say, okay, well, am I like Bear, or am I like Luke, or am I like Alan, or Brandon, or am I like Brady? Okay, where am I in that? Uh, you're not. Okay, because the purpose of this parable is to teach us... Guys, can we hold on to that? Thank you. Um, the purpose of this parable... Uh, that's, that's my fault. That's like a fidget spinner for a kid. Right? I gave them a quarter. And they're like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Um, so... The purpose of this parable is Jesus teaching us something important about God. That's what he's revealing. Okay? That's what he's putting on display. That's what he's drawing our affections towards. I want you to see how generous God is. I want you to see how caring God is. And I want you to see that you can't walk in, kick down the door, and demand anything of him. Because you are not in the right place to do so. So, so let, me, let me give you four things we, we learn about God from this parable. Number one, uh, that God's grace is surprising. God's grace is, is surprising. And it's surprising because it surpasses our normal expectations. Uh, it really does. There, there are some uh, here this morning that hear this parable and they can identify with the first crew. Right? Uh, they, you can understand their frustration because you've been them. You have seen people who don't deserve the break actually get the break. You've seen people who don't deserve the promotion get the promotion. Uh, you've seen uh, people, maybe even relatives, who, who don't deserve another chance. They get another chance and another one and another one and another one and another one. And it comes at the expense, or at least what you believe is at the expense of your detriment, that it invades in, in your life. And so you hear this parable about people not getting what they feel they deserve, and you say, I get it. I, I get it. I get their frustration because it isn't fair. And that's the whole point. It, it is not fair. That, that God's grace, especially in salvation, is not fair. Even if all we received from God was one nanosecond of grace and mercy that would still be infinitely more than we deserved. Okay? Even just, just one moment. Forget the fact that, that His grace and His mercy covers every believer all the time for every breath that you take. Okay? That, that rests on you based on His covenant for you, based on His word to you, that exists. But even if that just existed for one moment, one nanosecond. That's more than we deserved. That is more than we deserve. So let's, let's not forget that there are two kind of workers hired this day. Uh, there were those who, were, who wanted a contract and agreed to a wage and those who had no contract and agreed to take whatever the owner thought was right. And it seems that those who were at the mercy of the owner were cared for in a much more incredible way in a much more loving way. And this is the beauty of the grace of God, that, that He does what we would never expect according to what we could never earn. That, that, that Peter, he wants to know um, what he and the others would get in return for their discipleship. Uh, and really what he's wanting is what kind of major uh, consideration will we get for our major contribution to the team. And, and when Jesus answered as He did, He was teaching that, that although the disciples would receive their rewards for their service, anything they received from God 
anything, whether, whether rewards for service or eternal life itself, it was a gift, and it was abundantly more than what they really deserved. In fact, it's, it's called sola gratia, by, by grace alone. By the grace of God alone do we get to experience these things. And so what Jesus has to tell us is that God is not like human beings and He does not operate in line with our very flawed expectations. That, that, that everything in God's kingdom is based on this grace. And that's why He says the, the last will be first, the first will be last. And then number two, uh, that God's grace is extended, it's extended according to His desire. God's grace is extended according to to his desire. That, uh, and there's, there's some other places. Uh, Romans, uh, specifically like 8, 9, and 10, uh, just kind of chew on this thought. Um, that, that God is under no obligation to extend forgiveness to sinners like us. No obligation. And, and that he has the right to dispense his mercy as he pleases, and he doesn't need our permission to do it. Okay, you hear me? So the next time you say, God, that's not fair that you did that for them, understand... He doesn't need your permission to be God. He, get, he does that, and He does that really well. In fact, He does it perfectly. That, so so maybe, maybe then we can spend less time trying to control Him by explaining what is wrong with so many other people. That, that, that maybe we can start to be for people, not against them. And maybe we can stop trying to guard God from them. Because He's fully aware. Fully aware. And I think the lesson for Peter and the disciples and us is it becomes obvious that, that we don't serve because we want to receive an expected reward. Because we're going to get that. We're going to get that. We have this expected reward that we should not insist on knowing what we're going to get. That God is infinitely generous and gracious and will always give us better than we deserve. Because He's a Father that loves His children. And any good Father loves His children in ways than they des- in better ways than they deserve. So, so as we grow and as we see His goodness, we can rest in knowing that He cares for us in, in the best ways. And now let me, let me tell you where, where this thinking uh, gets exposed. Uh, and it's, it's, it can be really subtle for some, uh, uh, but, but it, it can be really obvious to others. Um, have, have you ever seen God bless someone or uh, God does something good for someone, uh, deserving or not in your eyes, uh, and you, you mumble the phrase or you say the phrase very out loud, it must be nice, right? Misty knew it because she knows this is, this is a problem for me. It, it must be nice. And usually it comes with attitude. Right? Must be nice. Right? You're like, that's a, horrible, that's a horrible thing you're doing with your neck. Why are you doing that? Why are you twitching? Must, must be nice. Right? And it's always laced with this sarcasm. Right? And it's, it's precisely in that moment. Precisely in that moment, your heart's exposed and it reveals that you are not content in the Lord. Because here's the thing, it is nice. It is nice. The, the phrase exposes that we've forgotten the enormous blessing 
uh, afforded to us in Christ, which is much greater than a new car or a new job or a new vacation destination. Okay? It must be nice is this reminder that I'm not content in what God has done. God has failed me in some way. Because if he hadn't, then clearly I would have experienced something equal to or greater than what is nice for them. Right? Because after all, I'm a pretty big deal to God. And, and here's, here's what I'm realizing about those moments when, when, when my jealousy wants to creep in. And, and I want to mumble, it must be nice, right? That, that it is nice. What God has done for them is enormously nice. Enormously nice. It's even, it's even nicer that God extends forgiveness to us in those moments of our temper tantrums. That you look back and you say, that is nice, God. Thank you that you extend grace to me in this moment as I'm acting like a fool. Number three, God cares for people more than things. Why, why is it that the owner of the vineyard gave those who had labored only one hour the same amount of those who had labored all day? Uh, what was it? Was it not because he knew they needed the denarius? Right? He knew it. Because wh- what has the master of the vineyard done all day today? Keeps going back to Lowe's, looking for day workers. And every time, every time he sees the same one. Every time he's like, okay, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to take you, and I'm going to take you. And he's making a decision. And every time when he leaves, he sees Brady, and he leaves. So he's seen them all day long. All day long. And when we read this story carefully, we notice that not a word of criticism is spoken against those who were not hired in the morning. Right? He doesn't say that he doesn't choose Brady because um, Brady was playing with the switchblade. You know? Uh, He doesn't say he didn't choose Brady because Brady was stealing from the cash registers. He doesn't say that. There's, There's no indication that there's anything wrong with Brady because there's not. You're awesome. All right? You're super awesome. Um, but yet he chose not to pick them. And so, so when the master came and he asked, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Uh, Brady replies, nobody's hired me. I would have joyfully done so. I would have joyfully gone anywhere if someone would have hired me. And, and it seems that Brady had been willing to work. It seems he was eager to work. He undoubtedly needed the work or else he wouldn't have been standing in a place where people were getting hired. Right? Alan, I'm going to punch you right in the face in front of all these people. All right? On your seat. All right. I'll punch both of you in the face then. Um, Okay, here we go. Here we go, guys. Here we go. Just hand them to me. Um, I'm taking your money back. All right? All right, here we go. All right, are you good? All right. No, no, the other guys are pretty good. Um, Brady, you're the best right now. So I wish I'd have given you more. In fact, here you go. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two more denarii. Um, so, <clears throat> the owner hired them, okay, not for what he could get out of them in just a few hours. All right? There's no indication. It doesn't tell us that Barak was really slacking that day, uh, and they really needed to get all this done. So he went and picked up more. There's no indication 
of that. He doesn't hire them because what he can get out of them, but, but because they needed the work. So he paid them the full denarius for the same reason. The owner was not thinking of his profit. He was thinking of the people. And he was using his ample means to serve them and to help them. And that's why what the first crew could not get their heart around. And it's why Jesus says we have to stop thinking of our service in terms of debt and obligation. Because Bear was lucky enough to get hired first. Right? But he knows. He's in the same place with these other guys. So he knows the world they live in. He knows the fear that they have. He knows the doubt and the concern that they have that today no one's picking me up. So when I show back up at home, I'll be empty-handed. He knows that, but because he's been chosen here, he forgets that. He forgets who he is. And then all of a sudden, he deserves more than what these guys do. And the master of the vineyard says, that's not the way this works. Because it's all mine. It's all mine. Number four. God values what is lost and he seeks it. So it's, almost, it's almost so plainly put out there this, that we miss it. Okay? God va- values what is lost and he seeks it. In the story of the workers, who goes out to hire the people? The master of the vineyard. In the story that Jesus is telling... God is the master of the vineyard. So what do we see him doing? We don't see him putting out an ad saying, come to my house. We see him going. And he goes and meets these guys. And he grabs the first one, puts them to work. Grabs the second one, puts them to work. Third one, puts them to work. Fourth one, puts them to work. Fifth one, puts them to work. And it doesn't matter what hour of the day that it is, he's putting them to work. And so this is what we get to learn about God, that, that he comes and he makes his way to the people. He seeks the people who are hopeless. He seeks the people who are idle, who are going nowhere. And He gives them an incredibly important task. He gives them a purpose. They went from unemployed to employed after one encounter with the Master. And so this is how God cared for us. Then, then shouldn't we who have been found by God have the same kind of love for others who are lost? Shouldn't we have the same kind of urgency to go into those places where there is hopelessness, where there is fear, where there is trepidation, where there is doubt? And shouldn't we help people find their hope in Christ? And shouldn't we tell them that, that if they're lost, they are valuable to God, even in their lost condition? That, that, that if you are lost, you, you may be utterly worthless in your own sight, uh, seeing only the ruin that you've made, but you should know that you are valuable to God because unlike yourself, He is able to see what you were created to be and what He can yet make of you. That's the beauty of the gospel. It says every, every part of you that wants to make yourself something before God is useless. <laughs> because God has already made you something. And he is making you something powerful and beautiful and strong and capable. And He takes us who had 
no purpose. And He gives us great purpose. Then He says, as you do that, don't forget where you were. Because as you remember that, your heart softens for other people. Barrett couldn't stand Brady because they were all of a sudden on equal footing. And he says, that's not, that's not fair. I've been doing this much longer. Right? I hate the fact that I made you the bad guy, but, you know, get over it. Um, I've been doing this longer. I deserve more reward. It's not fair that God would treat us equally. And, and think of, just think of that for a moment, especially if you have multiple kids. I mean, you, you love your children in different ways, correct? But you try your best not to rank them in levels of love. Right? No, the answer is right. Some of you are like, well, I mean, you don't know. So-and-so is a really big jerk most of the time. But you don't. You love them equally. Right? Because you delight in them equally. And so why would we expect God to treat us or them in any other way? That He loves us equally. He wants to bless us both. Even though we don't deserve that. So, so let's, let's start wrapping this up. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. We're going to wrap up and we're going to be out of here in like five minutes. All right, you hear me? Five minutes. So don't do like a 15 minute song. Okay? So let, let, me give, let me give you two lingering questions. Okay? And this is going to kind of linger uh, even into next week because we're still dealing with this. How do I walk in the light of of God's grace. So number one, gentlemen, do we serve because we love God rather than because of what we can get Him to do for us? So why, why do I serve God? Is it because I love Him or rather because He can give me stuff? Okay? That's, that's a difficult question for a lot of us to ask. That's a hard question. Because we have to be very honest about our expectations of how God treats us. Then number two, do we see others based on their worth or through the eyes of God's love? Do we see others based on their worth or through the eyes of God's love? Because I promise you this, if you decide to try to base and gauge people on their worth, um, we uh, we will constantly constantly find people that are lesser than. Almost instinctively, we look for the flaws and the cracks. And most of the time, that's because of our own pride and our own ego, because we want to make sure that we can uh, match up, that the levels are even with them. So this is all I want us to ask. Why do I go to God? And am I seeing others the way He sees them? Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. We wrap up today. I want to make a couple things available to you. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Mark and Heather and Kim, they'll be up here. They want to pray with you. Maybe you've never asked... Gentlemen, uh, maybe, maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. We want to give you that opportunity. We believe that life doesn't begin until Christ comes in your heart. If you want to take some time and thank Jesus for what He's done in communion, that's available to you. 
I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we are very thankful for your willingness to just even extend grace to us for a second, to, to part the clouds and let the, the sun shine on us just for a second. And But Father, we praise you because those clouds always stay parted and that sun shines. And Father, I pray you would help us grow into the kind of people that, that serve you not well in terms of each other, but, but serve you well in terms of what you desire out of us. Father, I pray you would give us eyes to see the value of, of people that, that we have deemed lesser than. Father, I pray we would repent from even having that conversation. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.